What's up, everybody? It's the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean, and it's been another action-packed week of football with all types of implications. And the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Cleveland Browns were no different. Uh, This is our second game of the week, so I was keen to watch this one and take a look at how the Bengals came out on top and what Deshaun Watson looked like in his second game back. So I thought we'd get into it. Shout out to our sponsor, Evergreen Power Solutions. They're a concierge power service. They're going to be able to shop around, get you the best rate now, keep your rate from going up, and hopefully be able to renegotiate your rate to go down in the future. So that way you don't have to worry about rising energy costs for you and your family. So for my Texas listeners, give them a call at 888 886-6586. Give them prompt number two and let them know that Taylor McLean and the Roundtable Sports Podcast sent you. Now onto the football. You might ask yourself, is Taylor a Cincinnati or Cleveland Browns fan if he's doing this game second? And yes, I did do my Dallas Cowboys first, but I don't always do that. And it's really more about the interest level in a particular game for me. And with both teams, I find the interest levels high for varying reasons for both squads. But for the Bengals, you know, I I have a I have pretty high hopes for what they can be overall as a contender. You know, we saw them beat Kansas City for the third time in this iteration. And that has to fill Cincinnati with the hope that it hasn't had in some time when it comes to them being a contender. Last year, I'm, I'm sure there was plenty of believers, but it had to have snuck up on even the truest believer to get to the Super Bowl. And while there might have been a little bit of hangover early on with the Steelers and Cowboys, having wins over the Jets and Dolphins early on looks a lot better than it did to start the season. And then having taken care of your last four teams that include the Titans and the Chiefs and now the fifth team being the Browns, it has to fill Bengals fans with a little bit more confidence than they would have had previously. And that winning streak was preceded by a loss to the Browns too. So that certainly had to have the Bengals motivated, not that an NFL team should need it, but motivation for NFL teams varies week to week. And you can see effort levels when one team is on an extreme high and the other one is on an extreme low. That's when you see a lot of the blowouts that you see and uh, just just see the first game that we went over with the Dallas Cowboys and their clear lack of motivation versus the Texans. And that ended up in them nearly blowing the game. So it's got to feel good for the Bengals to be without T Higgins and to not play their best game and to still come out of this with a convincing win. Mr. Convincing win himself, Joe Burrow, definitely still has my heart. Uh, He's one of the four quarterbacks that I love. Not to make this weird, but uh, Patrick, Josh, Joe, and Justin Herbert are those young guys that I think are the future of this league. And uh, Joe doesn't quite have the same arm strength that the other four have, but what he doesn't have there, he makes up for in decision-making and accuracy. So he's a big part of the league's future going forward. So Bengals fans should be excited about that and should be hoping for every expense to be taken and for every caution to be taken to try and protect their boy 
and to try and set him up for future wins. Luckily, it seems like the personnel department has been doing a good job of getting him people around him to play with. Unfortunately, the head coach kind of played with a lot of our emotions this week in what is a, a fantasy football playoff week for a lot, or, you know, people were trying to clinch the playoffs. T. Higgins essentially hurts his hamstring in pregame warmups. We don't hear anything about it. A bunch of people start him in their fantasy leagues and get zero points for him. Kind of seems like a violation on the team's part to me that they should have to disclose things like that. And those are things that should come out. I guess he played one snap, but uh, I felt some pretty harsh feelings for him in that moment as a fantasy player. And I didn't even have to win that game. So hope there's a fine coming for him. Sorry, Bengals fans, but that's not cool. And you, and in this gambling age, you have to disclose things like that. So everybody's playing with the same information, even if it goes against your advantage to not let them know that T Higgins, so they don't have to prepare for that. No, you need to tell everybody screw that. And then Tyler Boyd dislocates his finger as well. Then you throw in Trey Hendrickson too. There was a lot of bad injuries for the Cincinnati Bengals in this game. I talked a bunch about the Cowboys uh, earlier and their injury situation. It's really happening to all the contenders and all the teams at this point because there's been a lot of football played. And if you're playing without some sort of little injury at this point, it's questionable how much you've been playing so far because everybody is playing through something typically when there's been this much contact. So good news is on the injury front, uh, Zach Taylor came out and said that T. Higgins is day-to-day, Tyler Boyd is day-to-day, although dislocating a finger on your wide receiver is really bad, and then Trey Hendrickson with his broken wrist. That's a bad deal for sure, and it's not going to feel good to play with that, but for a defensive end, a lot of times they're going to you know, wrap that up really good and let you get out there anyway. It's not a, a huge deal to not be able to grab with your hand if they give him the club for a defensive end. So while it's not good, And neither is the T Higgins or the Tyler Boyd because having them, which is what makes the offense dynamic when you can have those two guys in addition to Jamar Chase and throw in Hayden Hurst on top of that, who's also week to week at this point. So to have those guys out uh, possibly for next week and then if you had them out during in the playoffs, that would be a really bad deal and that would be hard to overcome if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you're missing one or heaven forbid both of those two guys come playoff time because having Jamar Chase no doubt makes this team go. The coverage he demands, the gravity he has when he's on the field opens things up for the uh, those other guys. And I think not having T. Higgins out there especially was part of the reason that we had so many three and outs and we had such a tight game here. The Bengals couldn't move the ball as fluidly down the field as they would like to without having that second threat out there. And with the other team being able to key in on Jamar chase more, not that it helped them because Jamar is incredible and was winning with his physicality out there, but it did allow them to keep it out of his hands more. And then when you're working underneath stuff with less explosive players, that's going to be a hindrance as well. And then on the defensive side with the Trey Hendrickson part, that's that's nearly worse. 
that's probably one of the few guys that you can't afford to lose if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, his pass rush ever since they added him in free agency has been one of the keys to this resurgent defense. Obviously, they've got other people on the line that they've really had working this year. Sam Hubbard comes to mind. DJ Reader has been a, an especially important addition as well. And their run defense is not even close to the same without him in there, which obviously was extremely important today against the Browns. But Hendrickson is the main pass rusher, in my opinion, and they've got to have him in there if they're going to make some sort of run towards the playoffs here. They're going to be there, but if they're going to go deep in them, then they're going to have to have Trey Hendrickson on the board. Luckily, like I said, wrist, that's one of the things that a defensive lineman can play through, so that should be all right. The hamstring thing is troubling on T, though. In the same way, I think you have to have Hendrickson out there. I think you could maybe get away with without Tyler Boyd. Like You have Irwin, who came on in this game and has, has been coming on, and I love having him as their number four receiver, but he's missuited as a two. And you need T. Higgins on the other side, making those dynamic go up and get them plays. So that you have, you know, the everybody backed off. You have to have a, a really deep shell, and then you're able to run the ball a little bit easier with Joe Mixon and P. Ryan, who I like how P. Ryan is coming on, but I thought he had a bit of an off game too with some drops on the outlet passes that he gets. That is part of the lifeblood of this Cincinnati offense. So he's got to be out there catching those passes and and making more dynamic plays with those if this offense is going to succeed too. Because I like having Joe Mixon back, and it was huge for them to do so. And honestly, was a huge part of why they won this game with that with a big chunk play and his ability to run between the tackles. But they kind of need both. They need P. Ryan and they need Mixon for different things and to keep a dynamic presence at, at the running back position at all times. That's going to help alleviate the pressure on Joe and, more importantly, the pressure on this offensive line because uh, you don't want the defense to be able to tee up on this offensive line. Cause while I think it's played better and I think it's gelled uh, as the season's gone along because they've had their guys, I still don't think this is a world beater unit and you need the, the dynamic of the defense having to back off because of the passing game, but they can't back off because of the running game. So you need that dynamic to make the Cincinnati Bengals dynamic offense uh, equation work here. Because one without the other is good, but it's not great. And the and the offense is going to have to be great because while I like the defensive game plan, they need to be really good on both sides of the ball if we're going to compete for a championship here. And that's why I'm nitpicking right here because I think Cincinnati is really good even without these guys. But ultimately, my expectations are that they have a chance at the Super Bowl here. And if you're going to win the Super Bowl, you're going to have to have all of these things coming together in the exact right way to get that done, to beat the Bills, to beat the Chiefs. I mean, the Bills have lost Von Miller, and they haven't looked to be the same since early in the season. And you just beat the Chiefs, but you just beat the Chiefs with a full complement of wide receivers and Trey Hendrickson on the field, too. So what you look like when it comes time to play them again is going to be really important. Because while the Browns have Miles Garrett, they have had trouble stopping the run and had trouble on defense all season. And then the Houston Texans were able to hold the Cleveland offense to six points. So 
to be completely excited about 23 to 10 in a day where you lost a bunch of guys is, is tough. It's, it's a tough day. But the good thing is you got the win on this day, and now it's not quite as important if you beat the Bills and you beat the Ravens to end the season. Who knows what the Ravens will look like at that point. They should have Lamar Jackson back. Getting this win today means you, that you're probably still going to be in, even if those games don't go quite to plan. Uh, I have to say, I hope that both those games mean something so because those will be exciting and really good matchups. And I don't mean to be all doom and gloom. You beat the Browns. They're a hated rivalry. They had their, they finally had their quarterback and could have looked better. So that's great. You held the Browns to under a hundred yards in the ground, 25 carries for 71 against Nick Chubb, 14 for 34, no touchdowns, and really only one good looking run during the day. That's an accomplishment. So I know I, I hate that I'm, I sound doom and gloom to start this, but it wasn't great that Zach Taylor lied to us about T Higgins. It wasn't great that we got a dislocated finger on Tyler Boyd and Trey Hendrickson. That's somebody you can't afford to lose. Just like I don't think the 49ers can afford to lose Debo Samuel either. That's, this is just what happens at this time of year. So I guess be grateful that it was, it's an only a day to day thing with your big receivers and that it's a risk for Trey, but Still, it left me wanting because I love Joe Burrow. And I think that given the right people around him, that he's a guy that can take a team all the way. So see the Bengals not quite execute that as thoroughly as I would have liked against this defense is is a little troubling. But in the end, they got the job done. It's just how many times are you going to be able to target Jamar Chase 15 times and have the next highest guy be your running back at five? that's going to give me some pause that that is a problem. And we just need to have all the guys back at the right time to have that done. At least you've uncovered Trenton Irwin in all of this too, because I I like the cut of his jib while he's out there. And I think he's a good fourth guy to be able to throw out there too. So on the other side, uh, probably the main reason that I watched this game was Deshaun Watson in his second game. I wasn't very impressed with him in his first game really, but I'm glad I held my tongue a little bit and uh, I had a Houston Texans guest lined up, but that fell through. So I went ahead and canceled that game. And I'm kind of, kind of glad I did because Deshaun looked markedly better than he did in the first game. The first game was a disaster. Like it was a complete disaster. He was under throwing stuff. He was overthrowing stuff. He was throwing a ton of passes low and he did it a little bit here, but it wasn't close to the same thing. He had he was throwing with a lot more anticipation and uh, definitely got better as the game went along. You could see him getting more comfortable as a passer, and it wasn't just him. It was partly that it seemed like the play calling got a little bit more comfortable with him and, and kind of seemed to give him more opportunities to throw on first and second down rather than just third down when the defense knows that a pass is coming. And it's not like Deshaun had done a lot before that to make them feel like they could really let it loose with him. But by necessity that they couldn't run the ball and they got behind, they kind of had to let Deshaun go a little bit and start passing the ball more. And maybe it was a function of the Cincinnati Bengals backing off a little bit. Teams will often get a lead and start moving the coverage back and stop trying to play aggressive. They they, tr- they play back a bit 
and it makes it easier to pass in those moments. So there definitely could have been a little bit of that to the Deshaun playing better as the game went along, but it just really seemed like truly he was getting more comfortable. The rust was kind of coming off a little bit and he was making bigger and bigger passes as it went along. But the tiny element of that was the Bengals backing off. But the takeaway is that, get this, not having played quarterback for so long is going to make you look a little rusty. I think we all were expecting that. It's just a little jarring to see that midseason when you have such high expectations for a guy and you've given up so much draft capital for him. But also, it's not like he was been practicing this whole time, you know, working with his teammates, getting himself ready. He's probably been doing some of that on his own, but he's been suspended from coming to the facility too. So when Brock Purdy came in and looked okay and had been running the offense and doing all that, he'd been practicing with the scout team, with the second team, with all of that stuff. This is all, this is Deshaun in preseason mode here. This is his early season stuff with a bunch of guys that are mid-season, with a bunch of defenses that are mid-season and have already been churning, and you're comparing him against a guy in Joe Burrow and a league that has already played a bunch of games too. So while that might sound like a really big Deshaun Watson apology here, it kind of is. Being able to work the passing game down the field and And being able to pass in a precision type way in this league is very hard. So if your timing is off, if you're not seeing the field quite as well as you're used to seeing it, and frankly, just don't know the offense and don't haven't had experience in the offense enough to be able to move things around yourself or know exactly what you're doing at all times, things are going to look a little rough and things are going to be a little bit off and it's not going to be a fluid situation. The good news is that you've kind of lost enough games where you're probably not going to be in the playoff mix. That's not great news by any means. However, it takes a lot of the pressure off of you, and you should treat this as like the same thing like you just traded for this guy, like the 49ers did with Jimmy G. You got to see what you've got here. Get him kind of back up and running a little bit. See what he does well within the offense, and then head into the offseason knowing what you need to build around and what you need to do for Deshaun Watson and for your future here. Cause I'm sure Cleveland Brown Browns fans were excited for this year and wanted a Super Bowl this year and everything and everything just to click. It's not typically how life works or how getting someone new and adding them to your offense work. This isn't Madden. Okay. These are people. And It's going to take some time for Deshaun Watson to kind of get acclimated here and to get some chemistry with his guys. And let's not forget that he's not working with the top flight wide receiver crew either. He's got a good line and he's got a good running game behind him. Not on this day, but overall he does. But outside of David Njoku and Amari Cooper, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is kind of just a guy. Like, if he's your fourth guy, that's great. I think he's got great third guy, fourth guy skills, but having him be your second is not good. And David Bell's also not ready. Heck, I think you'd be better off getting Harrison Bryant some more targets out there than I think you'd be with the other two. And maybe that's something you see 
in the offseason that you need to work on here because clearly Deshaun's a little different from what you've had here. And I think the play caller was getting just as used to Deshaun throughout the game as I think Deshaun was getting used to them and being out there. That's another adjustment this team has to make. As I said earlier, a little begrudgingly, they need to throw on first down more. They need to be be a little bit more balanced than they've been in the past. That's part of the reason they got Deshaun in the first place. I thought. I thought part of it was to not be so reliant on the run, not have to turn around and hand it off 30-plus times to be able to get the win. The way they came out, it seemed a lot less like a guy that was capable of raising a team, they they played like they had a guy that was about to tank the team. And that's fair because he looked really bad in the first week. But he looked a lot better, and he was his passes were a lot more online. They were just a little bit mistimed this in this week. And I don't think that he's seeing the field really well either yet. Um, I think that's something that's going to come a little bit later when he's a, when he's more acclimated to where his guys are going to be and he's a little bit more, more dialed into the accuracy portion of it. Like that wasn't ever his strength necessarily, but traditionally he was a lot more accurate than he's been these first couple of weeks with Cleveland. So I get being disappointed, but let me tell you that I thought it looked a lot better than it did the week before. And I think it's something they can build on. So much like the preseason, you need to see what he can do. You need to see what it looks like with your team. You need to start building his confidence, his chemistry with his teammates and and go from there. You don't need to be putting Jacoby Brissett in there on fourth and one to have him throw the ball. Stuff like that is not good. I get that he wasn't good in the game before, and that was barely early in the game. And he didn't throw any more passes or anything. But I just wrote that down mentally that that did not sit well with me. And it wouldn't have sit well with me if I was Deshaun uh, either. Not that he should be angry necessarily, but show some confidence in me. The one thing he did get going first was the running. Like he should have been sacked more. He should have been sacked for more yards. And granted, it didn't look as dynamic as it used to just right off the bat. Like it doesn't seem like he's fully up to speed there either, but he can run and he was getting away from people and the team needs to take advantage of that. Cause it kind of felt like they were squeezing him too much into a pocket passer box. And uh, it didn't seem like they were setting him up, especially early for success with the play calling. So Texans fans aren't going to like it. And really, probably Cleveland Brown fans aren't going to like it either because he's not all the way back, but I think he can be back. I think this is still workable, but it's going to have to take some steps from here too. Like if it never gets beyond this point, then it's not going to work. That that equation doesn't work out. But much like a rookie or much like somebody that you haven't seen play in a while, this is what to expect. Downfield passing takes high precision. These plays are made on you know the flip of a coin a lot of times and there just wasn't a lot of super open guys created by who they're running out there personnel wise and then you're a running team that has been completely stifled by a team that can pretty much do whatever it needs to do on defense so give it some time Cleveland Browns fans I know it's a lost season a little bit and you owe some picks and you owe Deshaun a ton of money but I think he can come back. 
I, I wouldn't have said that at the end of last week. I, I, I do it this week because it's not nothing. He didn't give up nothing. It's just there's just some stuff that's off. And it looked like a guy that was still playing in the preseason. That's what it looked like. So I still have the expectation that he can come back and get over that for sure. Well, much like the passing game podcast felt a little disjointed there, but I hope you enjoyed it. Download. If you've gotten this point and haven't done so, let me know that you're here and listening. If you're on YouTube, like, and subscribe. Those are the important metrics there. Look for more videos coming out this week. There were plenty of highlight plays, including some in this game that we'll be coming out with. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day.